Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church, an outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. Glory to God. Somebody say, I'm on fire for God. Hallelujah. Bible says he is a consuming fire. He's a consuming fire. But he's the prince of peace. So there's peace in the fire. In the fire of God. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Sometimes being fired up for God, you know, can just be being still for God. You know, just putting him above your feelings putting him above your emotions, putting him above anything else that would try to get you running around. You know, the world calls to us. A lot of things call for our attention, tries to get us running around, getting, get us too busy for him. But if you're fired up for him, then you could just stand still and be patient and just wait on him and not run out and do something in the flesh. Now, God's all about us being diligent and running out and getting things done. Get me wrong. But, you know, I'm talking about running out and doing things in the flesh and just kind of getting ahead of God on things. Just running out ahead of Him. Well, that's not being fired up for Him. If you're fired up for Him, you don't get out ahead of Him. You do things with Him. So being fired up for God could manifest in peace or in just waiting and being still. Just being still before the Lord. You know, I love what Isaiah said, uh, by the Spirit, of course. He says that God acts for those who wait for him. Isn't that a powerful scripture? God acts for those who wait for him. Sometimes we don't wait long enough to let God act on our behalf. We're too busy trying to get it done ourselves. We jump out ahead of him. We're busy. We're trying to make it happen. And uh, we don't let him do it. Now, sometimes he does things through us. Don't get, don't get me wrong now. You know, he works through us. But sometimes he'll just do things on our behalf if we'll just be still. If we'll just wait on him and let him move. Make the first move. Amen? So, you know, being hot for God, on fire for God, fervent can manifest in different ways. And like we were talking about last time, you know, last time being fervent... Being firm for the Lord isn't just, you know, being loud, shouting real loud. You know, what we were doing right there is just as good. A lot of times we talk about the children of Israel, you know, when they uh, were led by the Spirit of God through Joshua to overthrow the city of Jericho. And Jericho had these, this big fortified wall around the city. And a lot of times we talk about, you know, what, what caused those walls to come down? What caused those walls to come down? That's my question. It was a shout, right? They shouted and the wall came down. But that wasn't all that happened. Actually, there was more silence than there was shouting. Because the Lord directed them to march around that city without saying a word. Think about that. You got a, you got a multitude of people walking around a city and nobody's saying anything. Not a peep. And they go around and then they just go back to their tent. Nobody said a word. That was on the first day. Then they went out and they did the same exact thing on the second day. Not a word. 
They just walked around that city and they just marched around it. Nobody said a word, just as quiet as could be. Third day, same thing. Fourth day, same thing. This is a huge accomplishment for humans. <laughs> you understand? This is supernatural. Nobody's whining. Nobody's complaining. Nobody's talking. Nobody's saying a word. It's just complete silence. And they do that for seven days. And then on the seventh day, they walk around the thing seven times. And then on the seventh time around, then they lifted up their voices and shouted. Now, you see, we always talk about the shout. And it was the shout that brought, brought the, 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 those walls down. But no, it wasn't just their shout. It was their quietness. It was their stillness. It was their waiting on the Lord, being quiet in his presence. Being quiet in his presence. That was just as much a part of those walls coming down as their shout. So, you know, no doubt, when they walked around and they started shouting, Woo! Hallelujah! Blowing the trumpet and everything else, you would say, man, they're a fired up group of people. But you could say the same thing about them the day before. And the day before that. And the day before that, say, boy, that's a fired up group of people. Look how still they can be. Look how quiet their mouths still, you know, they're, they're walking. But their mouths are still, look how quiet they are. See? It's manifest, their, their fire for the Lord is manifesting in their obedience, in their submission to him, in their surrender to him. That's manifest, it's a manifestation of their zeal for the Lord. And so, so many times when we think of zeal, when we think of being fervent, you know, again, we're thinking of shouting. We're thinking of, you know, excitement. But not all the time. It doesn't always manifest that way. Sometimes, like I said, it could just be in quietness. And so uh, going back to some of the scriptures we talked about last time in talking about being fervent for the Lord, Colossians chapter 3, it says in verse 23, and whatever you do, do it heartily. In other words, do it with your heart. Do it with all your heart. As to the Lord and not to men. Whatever you do, everything, everything we're doing in life is to be to him. It's for, it's for the glory of God. It's not just for the flesh. It's not just for humans. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. So notice that he says, whatever you do, do it heartily. Do it with your whole heart. Knowing God's the one that's going to reward you. God is the one that brings the increase, right? Promotion, the Bible says, comes from the Lord. That's where it comes from. So we look to him. We don't put pressure on people. We look to the Lord, and the Lord brings the increase. The Lord brings promotion in our life. Our reward comes from him. He's a rewarder. He's a rewarder of those who follow him, who diligently seek him. Then James chapter 5, verse 16 says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another. That doesn't mean air all your dirty laundry to everybody. Not that there should be any dirty laundry. Right? The Lord, the Lord washes us good, doesn't he? So we're, we're dressed in white tonight, robes of righteousness, clean and holy. Amen. But if something wasn't right, see, we'd repent of that and be washed of that. And if it involves somebody else, if you've sinned against somebody else, 
And many times the Lord might direct you to go to that person and confess to them, not just to the Lord. Get things right with them as well. So that's what he means by that. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Again, a lot of times you think of fervent praying, you think of loud praying. Not necessarily. It doesn't have to be loud praying for it to be effective, for it to be fervent. Doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be loud to be fervent, as we were just talking about. Just talking about putting your whole heart into it, not being half-hearted when you pray. Not just going in there, just interested in yourself and just, Lord, take care of this thing. Thank you very much in the name of Jesus. And then you go about your business. Living in the flesh. How many people know that's not wholehearted? That's not fervent. In fact, you can go in there and make a lot of noise. You can bawl and squall and kick and oh God, oh Lord God, oh Jesus, oh God, oh Lord. And heaven's trying to shut the door because it's so noisy. <laughs> heaven's like, well, somebody get put, get me some headphones, you know. Oh, oh, oh that, you know, it's loud, but that, that doesn't mean it's fired up. It could just be fleshy. In fact, it could be very quiet, but you're effective because you're praying the word of God and you're not praying out of selfishness and you're praying out of the love of God and concern for God and for his kingdom. Right? For his will to be done in and through your life and through the lives of others. See? That's being fervent. That's being fervent. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. It says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another. Prefer the other person. Not lagging in diligence, fervent, in spirit, serving the Lord. Again, serving, everything we're doing in life is for the Lord, right? We're serving Him. We're serving Him. We're serving the Lord. Not, not, we're not self-serving. We're serving the Lord. And notice again, he, talks, he puts brotherly love with being fervent in spirit, which goes along with 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter 4 verse 8 says, And above all things, everybody say above all things. So this is a big deal right here. This is above everything. All things. Have fervent love for one another. Have fervent, boiling hot love for one another. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 22 says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth... Through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Love one another fervently. What does that look like? What does loving fervently look like? Well, of course, that would mean we're caring for others. We're caring. You can do it very quietly, but you care for others. You take care of people. And, of course, you're long-suffering with people because that's what he says over in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. 1 Corinthians 13 talks about the love of God, not the selfish, sensual, fleshly love of humans. We're to operate in the love of God. 
Because human love is selfish. You know, the, the root of it is selfish. I love you. I love you. I can't live without you. Oh, see, it's about you. I, I, I love you because I got to have you. See, it's, it's about you. You love them for how they make you feel. You love them for the security. You love them for whatever. Whatever it is, you love them for. But it's how they affect your life. But the love of God's not that way. How many people know uh, we didn't affect God's life very well when we were sinners? We didn't do them right, did we? They didn't do them right when they nailed them to a cross. You can't say they just, you know, were giving him all kinds of warm, fuzzy feelings to love them when they were crying out, crucify him, right? And it was our sins that put him there, see? So we, did, we didn't earn his love. He just chose to love us because that's who he is. He's love. He chose to love us and give his life for us. So it's an unconditional love. It's an uncon- So it doesn't change regardless of how it's treated. Regardless of how you treat this love, it keeps loving. You can spit in its face. It'll keep loving. Now, that doesn't mean we allow ourselves to be do- you know, doormats and allow ourselves to just be walked over. No, you got to use wisdom. That's not, that wouldn't be good for you and that wouldn't be good for the person that's walking all over you either many times. That wouldn't be good for them. Some people need to go to jail. That'd be the best thing for them. Send them to jail. Some people. You know what I'm talking about? Jail, I got news to you. Jail is not a bad place. Jail is a good place for bad people. That's exactly right. So I'm just saying, you know, jail's not a bad place. But, you know, sometimes, you know, you have to, you have to do some things to, you know, to, to protect yourself, defend yourself. How people know, you know, as a country, we can't just sit back and allow wicked tyrants to rise up and just take over the world. How many people think you know, the, the right thing to do when Hitler was trying to take over the world was to go against him in war, was to fight him, just to stop him. See, that was the love. Dropping bombs could be the loveliest thing you could do. You know, it's, it's unfortunate it has to come to that, but sometimes that's what you have to do. So, see, people get a, a twisted, perverted idea of what love is. So, we're not talking about being doormats. We're not talking about just being walked on and being, you know, just allowing people to let somebody break in your house, just turn the other cheek. Oh, you broke in through the window. Let me unlock the door for you. You know, can I help carry you some, carry some things out for you? you know? That would not be wise. So, you, so it's wisdom and love working together. You understand? So you don't, you don't throw out the rest of the Bible and embrace one part of the Bible, okay? You just don't throw out the wisdom of God, and understanding and knowledge and, and say, well, this is love. No, you got to put it all together. All right, just a little side thought. But 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 says, love suffers long. We're talking about loving one another fervently. Well, what might that look like? That might look like you just putting up with stuff long. Just putting up with long, being patient, hanging in there, being steadfast. No, you're not, it's not let's say you're running around fast, but you're just steadfast. You're staying steady. You're staying in there, being patient with them. That's, that's love. That's loving someone fervently. Long-suffering, kind, 
Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely. Sometimes just not interrupting is a manifestation of a fervent spirit. A fervent spirit of faith. A fervent spirit of love. Because everything in you wants to interrupt and shut them up and just take over the situation. But sometimes love working together with wisdom just won't say anything. And it takes everything. It takes your whole heart. It takes your whole soul. It takes your whole mind. It takes all your strength to control yourself and not lash out and not give them a piece of your mind. Are you with me tonight? We're talking about loving one another fervently, what that looks like. Sometimes it's just hanging on to peace and staying kind when you want to give them a piece of your mind. That's fervent, man. That's intense. That's powerful. That's being an intense person. Verse 6, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Verse 7, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Man, that's intense. Puts up with all of it and never fails. Love never fails. So that's being fervent, loving one another fervently. Fervently. So again, it's, uh, it's not always, love is not, excuse me, fervency is not always hyper. It's not always forceful and loud. Sometimes it's very quiet, which is very interesting. These are the things that I had in my heart to minister tonight. And we had such quietness before service. Before I could minister these things, it was like, just wait, 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 shh. And you got to be fervent to do that because your mind wants to take over. You know, your mind wants to take charge of the situation. Sometimes it's, it's easier to just go on in the flesh and do something than to just sit there quietly, in, you know, obeying the Spirit of God. But that's what we need to do. Notice what he says here in uh, Matthew chapter 12, quoting from Isaiah, Matthew the 12th chapter concerning Jesus. I people believe Jesus was pretty intense. Man, he was intense. He was intense. And many times, you know, Jesus, demons, people with demons, you know, Jesus would just look at him and he'd say, come out. You know, I don't know, I just kind of picture, <laughs> go ahead, you know. What's his name? Clint Eastwood, you know. Clint Eastwood's a, you know, of course, those are just movies. But this is the real deal. Jesus is the coolest person around. <laughs> I mean, no, he's just the coolest one. He's just the coolest one. And, uh, and so, you know, he might have he walked up to that demon-possessed person and said, come out of him! He might have done that. But I just kind of picture Jesus going, quiet, go. That's what it says, you know. He would just, he would just say, demons crying out. He'd say, quiet, go. And they'd go. They wouldn't mess with him, you know. Again, it wasn't, wasn't, wasn't the volume. It's not the volume. It's not the volume. It's, it's the fire of fervency, intensity, of faith. That's all. It's your believing. It's your believing that matters. 
And we should be so boiling hot, so full of the fire of God that we burn demons when we get near them. Oh, yeah. How many of you know demons don't want to go to hell? No, they don't want to go there. You know, the, the day's coming. There's an angel coming down from heaven. The big chain, the Bible says in the book of Revelation, he's going to bind the devil, you know, for a thousand years in the pit. You know, he's going to put him down there in hell where it's nice and hot. And they, man, they don't want to go down there. They don't want to go down there. They don't like the heat. And so neither do they like you when you're walking in the fire of God. When you're hot for God, man, when you're boiling for God, demons don't like you, see? And so they, they just feel that heat coming off you. They feel the heat coming off you, and they flee from you. They flee from you as in terror. So we want to maintain that fervency, that, that boiling over, boiling over with the Spirit of God, just overflowing with Him. Why do we overflow with Him? Because we're boiling, and that's what we do. We boil over. We're just hot for God, and um, too hot for the devil. Too hot for the devil. Yeah, he, he'll, want, he'll want to get away from you. Find a cooler place. He wants to find somewhere cooler. He doesn't like sticking around you if, if you're just burning hot for God. But notice, in Matthew 12 and in verse 18, it says, Behold my servant. Again, this is fulfilled in Jesus. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him. And he will declare justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel, nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench, till he sends forth justice to victory. And in his name, Gentiles will trust. Notice, sometimes the way to victory is being quiet. Tr quiet. Just being quiet can show confidence in the Lord. You know, where you're not panicking. Not panicking, not, not venting all your feelings. We want to trust in God, have confidence in Him. And so being confident in Him can just cause you, again, to just rest. And how people know the devil is very restless. You get the devil nervous when you're, when you're, when you're in rest because he's restless. I'm just telling you some secrets tonight about the devil. It's good to know your enemy. We are still continuing the series on waging a good warfare. Being fervent, being preemptive, right? Being on the attack. Man, just be boiling hot. Be on fire. Be hot for God. Be confident in him. Be confident in him. And in that quietness, man, you'll cause devils to tremble. Because they like it when you panic. I got news for you. The devil doesn't know everything. God knows everything, but the devil doesn't know everything. People think the devil knows everything. He doesn't know everything. He's counting on you to vent all your feelings so he can figure you out. You know, just like Eve in the very beginning. Adam, you know, he goes up to Eve and says, has, you know, through the serpent. Satan says, has God said that you can't eat of all the trees of the garden? And they said, no, we can, we can eat of all the trees. It's just this tree over here. We can. See, he's trying to find information. He's trying to fill them out. And so many times the devil will come around and he'll start to poking. He'll get some other people to poke too. He'll put a poker in their hands. And they don't know it. They're just yielding to the devil. And they'll just start poking at you. And they'll find areas of weakness where you start venting, where you start fleshing out. And then he can figure you out. 
It's easy to figure a person out when they're, when they're fleshing out. But if you're quiet and he starts firing some of his best shots at you, then you just keep smiling. That's scary. You know, that's scary. Yeah, that's like you know, you're in a ring with a, in a boxing match and you hit somebody with your best shot. Hit them, with the, hit them with your best shot. And they just look at you and smile. Go, did you say something? Right? That's a, that can be very scary. So we can be very scary to the devil by being confident and quiet. Being quiet in him. Hallelujah. So that's how Jesus was. Jesus, he wasn't crying out. He wasn't making a lot of fuss, making a lot of noise in the flesh, drawing a lot of attention to himself. He was just focused on fulfilling the will of God for his life. He was focused on the purpose of God for his life. And that's, that's where we need to be, just totally focused, fired up about following God, however that looks. If he wants me to shout, I'll shout. If he wants me to dance, I'll dance. If he wants me to be quiet, I'll be quiet. If he wants me to sit still, I'll sit still. I'll do whatever the Lord leads me to do. I'll be led by him. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to be obedient to him. Even when it comes to knowing God, when it comes to seeking him, the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, he says, you will seek me and find me. Isn't that good news that we can find him? You will seek me and find me when you search for me half-heartedly. You know, throw me a little time and I'll show you all kinds. No, 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 no. no. You'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. Now, God wants to reveal himself to us. But how do we get God to reveal himself to us? We give him our whole heart. We look for him with our whole heart. In other words, he's, he's what we're after more than anything else. We want to know him. So we want to give him our wholeheartedness. We want to pursue him with everything that is in us, right? First commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Now, the awesome promise this is, is that he's going to reveal himself to you. He's going to reveal himself to you. Now, if you just want information, if you just want answers to problems, you might not get those answers. But if you want his will, if you want to do his will, if you want him, then he said he'd reveal himself to you. So what does that mean, coming to him wholeheartedly? Well, notice this here in John chapter, chapter 7. In verse 16, let's go to verse 17. Verse 17, if anyone wants to do his will, this is Jesus talking, and he's talking about if anyone wants to do the will of the Father. He said, if anyone wants to do his will, he shall know concerning doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. Notice that. If anyone wants to know his will, is that what it says? No. It's not enough just to want to know his will. It's a lot of people, they want, God, what is your will? God, what is your will? And then they don't get answers. You know why? Because in their heart, they have no intentions of doing whatever it is that he wants them to do. It's like, God, what is your will? God, oh, that's your will? Oh, 
Well, uh, I'll get back to you on that. I'm a little busy. Can't do that right now. Got other plans for my life. See, it's not just a matter of wanting to know his will. It's a matter of wanting to do his will. That causes you to know. He said, you'll know. You'll know. If you search for him with all your heart, you're going to find him. If you really want to know him in order to actually follow him, obey him, and do his will. So, man, if you're surrendered to do the will of God, and it's his will you want to do, you'll never have a problem knowing the will of God. Isn't that good news? In other words, you'd never be out here just stranded somewhere, just in confusion, not knowing what you're supposed to be doing. God, is this what you have me? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this where I'm supposed to be? Lord, I don't know. I think I missed it. I think I should have made that turn back there. I don't know. I think I missed I think maybe three years ago I should have done this. That'll never happen to you if you have a heart to do his will. So if he comes to you tonight and says, I want you to move and I want you to go to this country over here, this third world country, and I want you to set up a tent over there and this is what I want you to do. You know, would you do it? See, God knows that. God knows whether you're coming to him with your whole heart. You're searching him with your whole heart. In other words, wholeheartedness means a surrendered heart. Your heart is surrendered to him. Lord, whatever it is, I delight to do your will, oh God. I delight to do your will. So if you want me to get up and leave here and go there, I'll go there. He said, man, but that, he might send me somewhere that's just, he might ask of me something that's terrible. No, no, no. Anything God asks you to do, he empowers you to do it. He'll supply the grace and ability to do it so that no matter where it is, no matter where you go, man, you'll have the time of your life. I was just talking to someone today whose son, he's 24 years old, and from the time he was nine years old, he just he knew he wanted to do something for God, wanted to do something for God. And uh, so now he's, he's over in Africa, somewhere in Africa. And uh, they don't even have proper electricity. The government shuts down the power every once in a while and gives you maybe five hours of power every once in a while. And so, you know, it's 100 degrees and it's hot and, and, and it's terrible. And, you know, he said he was talking to his son and his air conditioning thing wasn't working. The power was down. He said, but you know, Dad, he said, it, it's hot. He said, but I'm having the time of my life. I'm having the time of my life. You know, because that's where happiness is. It's in the will of God. That's where fulfillment is. It's in the will of God. So wherever it is, man, it's going to be the thing that just makes you tick. You know what I'm saying? It's the thing that just thrills you and fills you, whatever that is. I mean, honestly, I look at some people, and I think, like this guy, you know, Africa doing what he's doing. It's like, dear Lord, you have to be called to do something like that. I mean, there has to be some kind of grace there, you know, for someone to leave here. And go to a third world country, go into some place where, you know, you're living in pitiful conditions. Pitiful conditions. And they're having a great time over there. See, that's the grace of God. So that's why we never have to be worried about where God wants us to go, what he wants us to do. Because he always supplies us with himself. With an abundance of himself. And in his presence is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Hallelujah. Search for him with all your heart. Search for him with all your heart. Notice over in the Song of Solomon. Let's go to the Song of Solomon. It's the song of all songs. Chapter 5. And in verse... We'll just pick it up here in verse 2. 
This is the Shulamite. This is, in other words, a type of the church. Believers. You and I. And she says, I sleep, but my heart is awake. It is the voice of my beloved. He knocks, saying, open for me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is covered with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. I mean, it's crazy to think that, you know, this is the kind of relationship the Lord wants to have with his church. This is the kind of relationship the Lord wants to have with you and I. That's what this is a picture of. You know, in fact, the Bible tells us in Ephesians that the husband and wife relationship is just a type of our relationship with Christ. That's a, it's, it's a type. So when we leave here, we go to heaven. It's not about marriage anymore. It's not about who you're married to. It's all about the Lord. We'll all know each other and we'll all be connected. It'll be a wonderful thing, you know. But we're married to him. Any kind of love affair, any kind of relationship, husband and wife relationship here on the earth, that's just to be a type of what's to come. The real love story is between you and him. The ultimate marriage is the marriage supper of the Lamb. When we're married to him. Amen? And we celebrate that wedding when we get to heaven. That is going to be some wedding, by the way. That is going to be an amazing wedding. But this is the kind of relationship the Lord wants to have with us. And so here, the bride, which would be the church, which would be the believer. I sleep, but my heart is awake. It is the voice of my beloved. He knocks, saying, open for me. Open. For, how many of you know the book of Revelation, chapter 3? Jesus says to the church, behold, I stand at the door and, and knock. If anybody opens to me, I will come in. And we'll sup together. We'll have a meal together. So this is the Lord, and he's knocking. He wants to get in. He wants to get in. He wants to have intimacy with us, with you and I. He says, open, my dove, my perfect one. Verse 3, I have taken, this is now, this is the bride's response. I have taken off my robe. How can I put it on again? I have washed my feet. How can I defile them? My beloved put his hand by the latch of the door, and my heart yearned for him. So, you know, our spirit many times can cry out to him, but then, you know, the flesh can be so lazy. The flesh is like, man, I just, I mean, I just settled down. I mean, this is a real inconvenience. And many times the flesh doesn't want to be inconvenienced for anything, even for the Lord. And so her heart's yearning, but she's not taking charge of her flesh. She's letting her flesh just lie there and sit down on the Lord. Which, by the way, is a great insult to him. To put anything above him. To put any kind of comfort above him. To be too busy, too lazy for him is an insult to him. Here is the Lord. He's like, man, I got due. You understand what I'm saying? I got the dew of the night. I mean, I got the oil of gladness. I mean, I've got my presence here. I'm at your door. I'm knocking. 
Verse 4, my beloved put his hand by the latch of the door. And my heart yearned for him. I arose to open for my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the locks. Started feeling the anointing. I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had turned away and was gone. My heart went out to him. When he spoke, I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. So notice, here the Lord is initiating something. Here the Lord's moving in this person's, you know, in this person's life. And there's no response. There's no response. Now she gets into a desperate place. Now she's desperately looking for the Lord. Now she's, she's calling out to him. Verse, uh, verse 7 she said, I, well, verse 6 says, I called to him, but he gave me no answer. The watchmen who went about the city found me. They struck me. They wounded me. The keepers of the walls took my veil away from me. Now, all of a sudden, she's experiencing all kinds of tribulation and trouble in her life. Why? Simply because she didn't respond to the Lord when the Lord was moving on her behalf. The Lord was moving and she didn't want to move. She didn't want to move. So guess what? The enemy was able to make a move. And the enemy began to cause problems and trouble for her life. So that's why it's important for us to always be ready. You understand? Always be hot. Always be on fire. Always be ready to move with the Spirit of God. Always ready to move with Him. And if we're moving with Him, if we're flowing with Him and not yielding to the flesh and being too busy for him, then God will always cause us to be ahead of our enemies. Even though they're out there like watchmen and they're watching, they're watching. How many people know the Bible says in 1 Peter that the devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's a little watchman. He goes around seeking whom he's watching. He's looking, he's looking for an opportunity to move on our behalf. But thank God you and I can give him no place. Give him no place. How can we give him no place? Stay fired up for God. Stay full of him. Stay yielded to him. Be passionate for the Lord. Respond to him. When the Lord moves, we move. We move with him. That's being fervent. That's being on it. That's being intense. That's being passionate for God. He calls, we answer. And we move with him. And then we'll never have a problem hearing from God. We'll never have a problem knowing the will of God. We'll always, just, we'll always just be able to flow from one thing to the next. And no matter what's going on, no matter how it looks, we'd never worry. We'd never be worried about, oh, man, it isn't working out the way I expected it to work out. <clears throat> Maybe I missed it. Isn't that a terrible place to be? To, to you know, start second-guessing yourself, start doubting where you're at, what you're doing, based on how things appear. No, no, no. When you know that you're hot for him, you're following him, and you're in the flow, you're in his will, then it doesn't matter how it looks. You can look at problems right in the face and say, it don't matter. I'm where I'm supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Well, if you're really doing what God called you to do, this wouldn't be happening to you. That, who said? Who said? Well, surely, you know, things would be a lot better. You know, if, if, if this was the will of God, surely... Things would be like this and not like that. 
I don't know. I don't, I don't base whether I'm in the will of God or not based on how things appear, how things look, how things feel. See? And you never, you'll never do that. So you'll never be confused. You'll never be second-guessing yourself about where, where you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to be doing. Isn't that a great place to be? You know, we're talking about spending time in the Word, spending time in prayer, spending time with the Lord. That is not some kind of religious thing that you have to do to, like, please Him. It's like, it's not about Him as much as it's about you receiving from Him. Him. Getting to know Him. I mean, we never know how much we forfeit and how much we miss by not spending time with Him. I mean, what did this woman miss? Here, He's at the door. I mean, things are dripping. I mean, he's the locks, the drops of the night. He's covered with dew. I mean, he's coming with the blessing. He's coming with the blessing, man. He's ready to come in there, reveal himself. And, oh, man. And I remember the Lord, you know, was, was dealing with me about getting up. And I was having a tough time getting up in the morning, man. It was just one of those things, you know. It was just, it was tough getting up. And one morning... I heard, he said, you love sleep more than me. That's what he said. You love sleep more than me. And he was like, the Lord was hurt. He was hurt by it. And then the scripture came to me in Proverbs, do not love sleep. So you can love sleep. We can love sleep more than him. Well, we don't want to love anything more than him. Come on, everybody say, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. Man, what happens when you give them all? You get all. You get all. You get all of God. He says, search for me with all your heart, and you're going to find me. And there's not anything that I would hide from you. There's nothing that I would keep back from you. Can you say amen? amen. So it's just a matter of waking up, and that's all the time. All the time. How do we do it? Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. What do you mean? Give your whole heart to Him. Be completely surrendered to Him. Just turn everything over to Him and say, God, you're mine. That's the end of that. I'm not playing games anymore. Not holding anything back. Glory be to God. Sometimes you have to ask, Lord, am I holding anything back? Is there anything I'm holding back? Is there anything that I haven't surrendered to you? Lord, show me. Show me. I want to know. Don't sit there and go, no, I'm not asking Him that. I wouldn't ask Him that. Who knows what He'll ask <laughs> No, man, surrender it. Give it to him. Say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Because that is the way to victory. Hallelujah. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win. <laughs>